that psychoanalysis has barely begun. Really? Actually. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I thought it had its heyday no, it know, 80 years no, ago. No, it did. It had, it had a honeymoon period, and then it dawned on everybody this wasn't going to work. I mean, there's no way psychoanalysis is going to work in a culture that's committed to religion, science, and consumer confidence, because it doesn't meet any of those criteria. That's the great thing about it. So it's intrinsically countercultural. It actually is against the grain of all the things were being sold, many of the things were being sold. So that actually, I think, it was inevitable that psychoanalysis had died a death, and it's a great thing that it has in many ways. Because what this means now is there's no cultural prestige in psychoanalysis. No one will go into it for glamour or money. So people only go into it if they have a passion for it. And that will make it work again, because that's what it needed. It needs to lose its cultural charge and become really something that was obviously disproven. And Freud's obviously a charlatan, <laughs> and so we can just forget about it. And then only the people who are interested, it's like poetry, only the people who are interested in it will do it. And no one will go into it as a, as a good career move. So if psychoanalysis has been marginalized, you know, no one takes it seriously anymore, what are the, the insights that can emerge from it then? Well, it's not the insights, it's the experience. Oh, it's, it's, the, it's, doing it's, it. it's doing it. Basically, if somebody is either curious or desperate, they should go into psychoanalysis or read some and see if it works for them. You know, the idea that's going to compete with knitting, aromatherapy, stamp collecting, etc., is absurd. Psychoanalysis is for the people who find it amusing, interesting, enlightening, comforting, reassuring, stimulating. I don't remotely want to say it works everywhere because it really doesn't. But for the people for whom it works, it really does work. And by that, I don't mean it cures them because, you know, we're on Earth. There's no cure for that. But it can significantly improve the quality of people's lives by their own criteria. The one thing you said about Freud is that he was radical in various ways. I mean, because he, he was questioning religion, he was questioning science, and he also said consumer culture. How so, consumer culture? Well, I think Freud, I've recently written a book called Missing Out, which is a book about frustration. Freud has very, very interesting things to say about frustration, because although he doesn't say this, the implication of his work is that capitalism is really for children. In other words, it exploits the fact that children of course, like adults, don't know what they want. Freud's frustration story is very interesting. Freud says, when we are frustrated, we fantasize what we want. But of course, you notice if you fantasize a meal, it doesn't nourish you. So at a certain point, you have to engage with reality. You have to get the meal you want. What Freud says is, we're actually very frightened of being frustrated. So whenever we're frustrated, we're prone, we're tempted to fill the gap very, very quickly. So the moment I feel a bit of unease, I buy something. I have a bath, I eat chocolate, I do whatever I do. What Freud is saying is we need to be able to bear with our frustration to be able to discover what it is we actually do want. Freud says a very interesting thing in Letter to Fleece. He says the reason that no adult is actually satisfied with money is because no child ever was. Children don't want money. And I think that's a very profound point because children want affection, emotional contact, reliability, adventure, etc., and then they grow up into this world of capitalist exploitation in which they discover there are a million things to want. In fact, we're living in a supermarket. It's great, but actually it's terrible because it depends upon non-satisfaction. It's not that there is satisfaction, but there are degrees of satisfaction. And Freud is saying, and again, psychoanalysis might be one of the places one might do this. If one can learn to bear one's frustration, one will not be willing to be fobbed off by substitute gratifications. And consumer capitalism is a supermarket of substitute gratifications. 
I'm trying to wrap my head around this idea of, of learning to bear frustration. In a way, it's very simple because we've all had to do it every so often, which is it means that when you begin to feel that there's something lacking or missing or you're feeling some sort of hunger, you don't jump to conclusions about what it is that you were hungry for because that's what the culture does. It jumps to conclusions for you. Actually, it's extremely difficult to find out what it is one wants. So I might feel very, 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 very hungry at a certain point of the day, but actually I may want a conversation with a certain person. But it might be very difficult in a certain culture for me to get to know that. So there might be all kinds of things that you want, but you don't actually recognize Exactly. Them. You are unconscious of them. So Freud is saying it's not a council of asceticism. It's a council of waiting. That if you can bear to wait, and if you can have certain kinds of conversation, you're more likely to discover more satisfying things for yourself. I think that's true. You have said it's a mistake to regard Freud as a scientist of human nature. Instead, we should approach him as a literary figure. I'm interested in him as a writer. I don't want to say he isn't a scientist.